You're listening to the Well Women Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's cycle health educator. Together, we're normalizing periods, cracking open real body talk, and femme rising the future. I'm here to remind you that your body is amazing. You can achieve balance, and body confidence all begins with your menstrual cycle. Get ready, beautiful. You're about to learn how to confidently reconnect with your body and discover your unique flow. This is episode 108. You were tuning in to the episode about thyroid health. This is Living with Hashimoto's with Dr. Donna Mazzola. Now, Hashimoto's, do you know what the link with Hashimoto's is? Actually, what does the word Hashimoto's even mean? Have you heard of it before? It's kind of similar to PCOS and endometriosis where we're starting to hear more about these imbalances in the endocrine system. But Hashimoto's is one of those ones that's also creeping more and more into regular dialogue in the women's health world. But Hashimoto's is a thyroid imbalance. And is it really connected with your menstrual cycle? I mean, is it? (laughs) You see, your endocrine system, which is one of many systems in the body, is made up of glands and organs. And many of these glands all communicate together and they have many different reasons and ways that they communicate together. But your thyroid, which is a butterfly-like gland that lives in your throat, literally kind of like around the Adam's apple area, it links directly with your ovaries, your uterus, your entire menstrual cycle. And To talk about Hashimoto's, I reached out to Dr. Donna Mazzola, and the reason why I did that is Dr. Donna is a pharmacist specializing in functional medicine and human nutrition. She's worked in many different areas of pharmacy, and she realized her true passion for all overall health and wellness by one, going through some of her own health challenges, and we talk about these in this episode. So while she was on her own health journey, she recognized the importance of balance with nutrition and medicine through her own struggles with Hashimoto's. So she currently runs a blog called The Dr. Order Immune Girl. You can find her on Instagram as that as well, Dr. Order Immune Girl, to share reputable scientific information related to autoimmune disorders and challenges. And her mission is to help others identify the root cause of their dis-ease and create the balance between nutrition and medicine. Now, I love that she is combining these two worlds together and Dr. Donna has so much value to add in this particular episode. We talk about what is functional medicine medicine as a pharmacist, getting to the bottom of a diagnosis. So if you go to the doctor and you get diagnosed with something, how can you get to the bottom of it? Of course, we jump into Hashimoto's because this whole episode is about that. So what is Hashimoto's? How is Hashimoto's different to hypothyroidism? Gluten's impact on health. Now I've been gluten-free for over two decades, so I love that chat. And we also dive into understanding how you can eat to support your body with hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's different signs of Hashimoto's that you may or may not have, and then what the triggers are that trigger the disease of Hashimoto's, along with how to change your mindset around chronic disease and inflammation contributing foods. This episode is super juicy, and Dr. Donna and I have a wonderful chat around Hashimoto's, and I can't wait for you to wrap your ears around it. But before we jump into that, I have an exciting announcement. Now, I say this is exciting because it is. In a couple of weeks' time, I am hosting my first ever in-person retreat. Yes, a four-day multi-slumber party. Literally, it's like a freaking slumber party. We're all getting together, and this is capped at 15 women in a luxe boho place here in Australia on the Sunshine Coast, wrapped in the beautiful hills, surrounded by a bamboo rainforest, a beautiful pond and lake in this high-class boho villa. I'm getting together with women for this retreat, which I'm calling Awaken. The whole purpose of this four-day multi-day event is to help guide women back into their bodies so they can reawaken an aspect of themselves that 
they one, probably don't even know that they need to reawaken or that's been laying dormant. We have beautiful exercises about reconnecting with your menstrual cycle, revisiting your menarche journey, your first period and who you were at that time in your life and the support that you may or may not have received. We're going to be bathing in sound showers, daily yoga classes, and activating a daily dinacharya, which is an Ayurvedic process to health on a regular basis through your daily method of operation. So we're applying all of this with an, with an amazing Ayurvedic chef, Ayurvedic goodness with your menstrual cycle to bring you home in your own body. If you'd love to learn more about this retreat, you can head to my website, wellsome.com. In the menu bar, you will find retreat. Click on that and you'll be able to access all the information about the retreat, including the audio guide, which guides you through everything that's included and the information PDF download. Now, if you're not on my website and you can't get to wellsome.com, head over to my Instagram. That's wellsome underscore Gemma Lee, W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E underscore Gemma Lee, J-E-M-A-L-E-E. And if you don't already follow me, come and give me a follow, send me a DM. I would love to connect with you. Now, we don't only have a few limited spaces available for this retreat and I don't want you to miss out if you feel expansive about this head on over to those places download the audio get your ears around that and reach out to me there's a link there where you can actually set up a call where we can have a chat on the phone to make sure you're the perfect fit for this retreat and this retreat is the perfect fit for you all right well without any more hesitation let's jump into this week's episode with Dr. Donna Mazzola living with Hashimoto's Donna, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. I'm pretty pumped that you're here because I feel like we're talking about a topic today that a lot of people don't realize is a really important topic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Not until they experience it, right? Mm. Oh, yeah. It's like being in the quicksand. You don't realize how important it is to know how to get out of the quicksand when you're, until you're in the quicksand. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So before we jump into it and talking all things Hashimoto's, um, tell us, Donna, what day of your cycle you're on today and what are you checking in with in this moment? How do you feel today? Yeah, well, so I'm on day one. So <laughs> sharing with you guys the day I started and I actually always feel good on the first day and I always know when it's coming because the day before I have a massive headache um, and I and, you know, just for about a week before that, breast tenderness. And it just, and that's only been lately, I will say. So I haven't had that before. And I think we can get into reasons why. Um, but um, those are like signs that tell me something is off um, in my body. And so like being in tune with your body, I think is so important for those reasons. It is. Now, I know that you're very in tune with your body <laughs> after what you've been experiencing in your own personal life as, as well as your work life. So tell us. Who is Dr. Donna and what does Dr. Donna do before we crack into the beautiful topic of Hashimoto's? Yeah, absolutely. So I am, uh, by training, Dr. Donna is a pharmacist um, who went on to specialize in nutrition and functional medicine. And that journey began due to personal experience on my own. Um, being diagnosed with Hashimoto's and not understanding why and how and, you know, something like that can happen to me. And so I took it upon myself to then, you know, take control of my healing. And by doing so, I went back to school, obtained a master's and my blog was born through that process. So over the past couple of years, 
Dr. Donna has created a persona for herself of Dr. Autoimmune Girl um, on Instagram and Facebook and on my website. And Dr. Autoimmune Girl shares everything related to autoimmune disease, hormones, functional medicine, to help empower people to better understand what questions they can ask their practitioners, um, to better understand what to look for when things are off balance, um, and to just be in tune with their body. So if we can understand the why behind everything, um, then we're more likely to be able to fix it. Um, be consistent with it. And so that's kind of been the drive for Dr. Autoimmune Girl. And so I finally graduated in June. And so there's so much more planned um, now that I'm done schooling. So mm. yeah, so that's kind of where where she's at right now. Amazing. I love that. I'd like for you to share what is a functional medicine pharmacist? Because I feel that people see the word pharmacy and they think of pharmaceuticals and then they see the word functional and they're like, hang on, but functional practitioners are normally like really, really health-based. So what is a, fun- let's clear the air up. What is a functional yes. medicine pharmacist? Yeah. So I love that you, you're asking that because I, you know, through pharmacy school, one thing that just never sat well was how we manage chronic disease and while, you know, in conventional practice, typically we're giving meds um, and not focusing on that lifestyle factor, that functional side and, and looking for the root cause of why um, in order to fix that problem, kind of band-aiding the, the issue. And so, uh, you know, from my definition of it, and I kind of use this tagline because I truly believe it, is it's creating balance between nutrition and medicine. Um, and that's how I perceive it. I think there is a place um, for some with medicine uh, and, you know, for others, maybe it's nutrition. And so it's a spectrum. And I found a lot of times that like functional medicine practitioners are on one extreme and conventional medicine, you know, pharmacists, maybe on the other extreme, and it doesn't need to be that way. And sometimes, you know, you need that conventional side partnered with the functional side to kind of get people down the road to the, to be fully functional and be able to get off medications and feel better and take control of their health. But it, it shouldn't always be just one or the other. And so that's why um, when I think about it as a functional medicine pharmacist, I'm creating that balance between the two and kind of bringing them together. And so that patient who says, I could never do that because it's all you know, health and wellness and that's not me. So I'm just gonna stick to the pill. My approach is we'll keep the pill, but let's also do that. And let's see how we can reduce that pill and increase the side of it. So kind of looking at that scale. I love that explanation. When I talk to, and I've worked with a fair few people who have had chronic illnesses who have been on pharmaceutical drugs. And there's always that, that little bit of fear of, well, if I stop the drug, then I'm going to stop healing or helping my body. And I always say to everyone, there's three ways you can look after your health. There's what the doctor or the pharmacist says you can do. There's what you can do, which is lifestyle factors. And then there's what the two of them blended together. And there's no wrong or rights with either of them. Because if I think about it for myself and my own journey of like having leaky gut and PCOS is that I started, I used to treat my health all with just say antibiotics and some pharmaceuticals. And then I did a blend of both. And now I'm all the other side. 
and I need like you need to understand too that sometimes you need balance of both and recently yeah. I had a kidney infection and it was very bad and in modern medicine is fantastic for immediate health challenges or if you have a trauma or an accident you know fantastic and you can blend them together so I love that you mentioned that because I think that gives more power of blending all types of um, health aspects together yeah and I think it just opens up that door instead of looking at either one or the other and creating that polarity between the two because I think we're never going to achieve overall wellness <laughs> across the globe until we marry the two together and it's you're not shamed for considering you know conventional medicine or shamed you know on the other side because oh you're all into this voodoo practice and you don't look at my you know it shouldn't be that way it's <laughs> they both are good and they both have their place and we just need to understand how to how to work you know to create that balance how to collaborate them together i think that's a beautiful thing um, I, I have recently had a, a few friends who have been going through pregnancies and another great example of that is pregnancy going from, well, I want to have a, maybe a home birth, which I'm, you know, just a natural style birth, so to speak, yeah. but I also want some help for the medical team. So how do I do both together? And so that's a really good example too. Um, so Donna, share with us. I know before we hit record, you were sharing a little bit more about your own journey with your health and before. We're going to talk about Hashimoto's today because you know, this is an imbalance in a lot of women's endocrine system health that we don't often right. either know we have until we've got it and we don't know how to manage it. Um, yeah. So what's your experience with this um, thing we call Hashimoto's? Yeah, so so I've, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's in 2015. Um, I felt my body was off after having my first child. Um, and, but nothing was diagnosed and all my labs were quote unquote normal. And so, you know, of course that's frustrating. And I think a lot of people can relate to that frustration. Um, and, you know, when we think about for many women, you know, uh, Hashimoto's begins post-pregnancy and, and that's due to a shift in hormones. Um, and because they're all linked, our sex hormones, our thyroid hormones, it's all linked together and how they operate and function and how they impact each other. And so that's, so fast forward. Um, so my daughter was born in 2011. So I was diagnosed four years later and that's actually pretty good because typically it takes about eight years for women to actually be diagnosed. Um, wow with Hashimoto's. Yeah. And, and, you know, you're typically having this attack on the thyroid. There's autoantibodies that are developed um, and they're attacking the gland, but the gland is fighting back in a sense. Right. And so it's fighting back and it's producing hormones, but it's doing it like double time to try to maintain that level. So when a doctor checks your lungs, they're like, yeah, you look, looks great. But nobody's actually going the next step to say, well, let's, see. but you still have symptoms. Let's see if there's antibodies. And that typically doesn't occur. So I'll be honest, my, um, my TSH level, which is your traditional level that was checked, was normal. Um, but my cholesterol was elevated. And my doctor knew that I'm super healthy. I was, when I was diagnosed or when this time of love, I was um, running a, preparing for a half marathon, eating super healthy. 
And I was finding, and I was like having to push myself to do my training. I'm like, oh, why don't I feel like doing it? And my hair was a little brittle and I wasn't losing weight, but I was like just maintained. And it was like shocking to me because anytime other time I would train or, you know, be working out, it's like, I would just shed it off, especially when I was watching when I was eating so bad. And then it, she just found it really odd. Why is your cholesterol elevated? She's like, I think there's something going on with the thyroid, right? So our our cholesterol, um, you know, is needed, right? That's a step in hormone production. And so she was smart to think, hey, this is all intertwined. And she said, I'm going to check antibodies. And sure enough, they were through the roof. Like they were the highest she's ever seen in a patient. Um, and I, and she said, oh, I knew it. Yeah. And so at that time, um, I had no idea about functional medicine or I, nothing. Uh, it was all new to me, right? And I'm like, ah, oh, I'm diagnosed with something. What do you mean? And so um, I, I, she recommended that I immediately start on thyroid hormone replacement. And so I did and kind of felt better, but not really. And that's when I started digging deeper and finding the association of dairy and gluten and soy and I, just all these, you know, just thinking about food. And I, I was shocked, right? Like I thought I ate healthy. And that was enough, but it was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that there's like inflammatory foods and things like it was all like a whole new world for me, even though I was a medical practitioner. And that's what, you know, you think about just your conventional medicine trained providers, they have like no clue. And I get it now. I'm like, yeah, how would they know? They've never been trained on this. It's just like a whole mm -hmm. new world. Yeah. So to that, at that time I had discovered some things online and I was like, well, I don't know what's reputable, what's not. I'm just going to go back to school. And so that, <laughs> and with that, I have been able to just heal myself um, and, you know, get to the point where I, I'm okay with my disease because I know how to control it. I understand it. I know how to balance it. And we just, we just live together <laughs> and it's okay. <laughs> when there's two partners living in the same house. Thank you for sharing your story. Really, really beautiful. And it just goes to show that I know this happened to me, actually, when I first found out about leaky gut is I didn't, my, my tests were fine. You know, there was nothing wrong with me. Everything by, by blood work looked great, but I still didn't feel good. So there was more inquiry for myself and intuitive knowing, which I didn't know was intu intuition back then and exploring and diving deeper. So what would you say to the listeners, Donna, who are feeling like they, they've been in a similar situation or are in a similar situation where like, hey, I feel like I've done all the tests, but I still feel there's something wrong. Knowing what you know in the medical world, like what's a good approach at that stage? Um, well, I would say if, I mean, if you have a diagnosis of Hashimoto's and you're just not getting diagnosed, um, you know, that's just one thing. And pushing for antibody testing, just so you at least have an answer. Because um, a lot of providers just don't believe it. They don't draw it. You know, it's definitely a measure of inflammation too as well, right? It's not just to diagnose a disease, but it gives you a sense of the inflammatory process going on and how bad it is. Um, so I would push for that. But one thing I would say, if, if you can't and you're frustrated and you kind of want to take things into your own hands, is to focus on your gut. Um, because if we can heal our gut um, and our liver, which is all connected and detox our body, 
um, and remove, you know, kind of those factors that can be uh, impacting, you know, thyroid hormone metabolism, sex hormone metabolism. I mean, it's all connected to the gut. And when you think about Hashimoto's, Hashimoto's is an issue with your immune system and your gut, 70% of your immune system lies in your gut. So if we can fix our gut, it's like a huge step forward in targeting this issue within our immune system, understanding why our immune system is targeting our thyroid gland. It's a real network, isn't it, our body? Like in the way in which everything is so connected, it's like a beautiful spider web. Um, I probably should have asked this question earlier without shooting myself but what is Hashimoto's for people who are listening to this just for you know to learn about everything um and they're like what the hell is this thing what is Hashimoto's really briefly so Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disease um where your immune system is upregulated and it's targeting your thyroid gland and so you have this constant attack on your thyroid gland to the point where you it does enough damage to the gland to where you then have a underactive um, thyroid gland, right? And so like hypothyroidism, you have an underactive thyroid gland. It's not related to your immune system. And so if you think about managing the two in con- the conventional side, they're probably managed very much the same way, right? You just give hormone replacement and everybody's on their way. You only check TSH levels, which is our thyroid stimulating hormone, which is kind of the the norm in medicine of how we are going to assess um, someone's thyroid function. And unfortunately, when we think about Hashimoto specifically, it's a very wrong way of looking at it. And so Hashimoto is really, when you get to the functional side, um, is very important, you know, to add that to kind of your management. And so targeting, because it's an autoimmune, problem. Like I said, the gut is so important um, because as we mentioned, you know, majority of our immune system lies in our gut. And so if we have good gut health, um, that we can kind of drive down that process. And so like kind of the whole goal of it, when people say I've put my disease in remission is to slow down that attack, you know, it's kind of like tell the immune system, it's okay. What do I need to take out or change in my body? Um, so that you stop attacking. And that's kind of how I like to look at it. So we make changes of the diet. We take things out like gluten because gluten molecularly is very similar to the thyroid gland. And so the body confuses the two. And so if you have a high intake of gluten, then your antibodies are going to rev up because it's like, oh, we have to attack, we have to attack, you know, there's, and that's how, so kind of like taking out those signals so that it calms down that attack um, is kind of the key in Hashimoto. So it's very different than just having an underactive thyroid. It's kind of, mm. it's very complex, I should say. And so um, it takes a while to, I've been on a five-year journey and I still don't feel like I'm 100% where I want to be. It's, it's, a, it's a long journey to get there and that's okay. And I think it's being committed to being on the journey, not the destination and just every day learning something and making some changes along the way. I think, you know, I've been gluten-free for 20 years. So, you know, I definitely know a lot about that journey. And 
you know, gluten is also very inflammatory to the body for most bodies. Now, it also depends on the type of gluten, where the gluten comes from, you know, if it's a wheat-based gluten, um, you know, where the wheat's grown, how it's grown, how it's yeah. stored. There's so many facets to it, really. And I love that earlier in your own story, Donna, you were saying, I thought I ate healthy, but, and that just, it goes to show, and I want you to expand on that because I think a lot of people think they eat healthy. And they go to the store and they're like, but this product says it's gluten-free and it's vegan. So that like that equals health, right? But I have to tell you, I made like, we're recording this around Christmas time and you can't see me, but I'm wearing a Santa hat. And I recently made Christmas tree meringues, right? Now, all there is in these, I made them from scratch, is egg white and sugar. That's it. Just egg white and sugar. So technically... These are both gluten-free and dairy-free, not vegan because it's got the egg in it. And so people would say, oh, gluten-free, dairy-free, that's really, really, really healthy, right? <laughs> but the quantity of sugar that goes to the egg is very, very big. <laughs> so that right. it's not necessarily healthy food. So I think a lot of people think they're eating healthy, but are they really? So what did you learn about that in your own journey going, well, I thought I ate healthy, so I thought I was looking after my body, but what did you learn? Yeah, so for a long time, I mean... Gosh, if you think about like late 90s, early 2000s, like the whole fat-free, sugar-free, um, I think I've done every fad diet in the book. Um, and for a while, I did do a lot of sugar-free. Oh, I want to avoid sugar, so I'm going to do sugar-free instead of just avoiding sugar, right? <laughs> it's like, instead of avoiding sugar, we just look for substitutes to it. Um, and then, yeah, like what you're saying, it, that is one of the biggest pet peeves of mine after I've kind of educated myself is when people say, oh, it's gluten-free, so it's healthy. And not realizing that I don't care what kind of food it is, if it's packaged, it's probably not healthy. Um, you could just assume it's not, especially here in the US, unfortunately. And so um, not realizing the amount of chemicals that are in foods, um, additives, emulsifiers, I mean, just the things they do to make things like that are supposed to be food, but they're actually food-like substances, what I'll they're call them. They're not started on this topic. They're not food. So to me, like, if you want to be healthy, the shopping cart should be, 80% of it should go in the refrigerator. I'm like, that's the simplest way to put it, um, which means you're eating whole fruits and vegetables, um, you know, and kind of creating your meals from that instead of, what goes on the shelf and packages like you know, I, it's funny because when COVID hit, you know, the shopping, people are going crazy in the grocery store and stocking up on foods, but I always laughed because, and it's sad to even laugh about this, but the whole food section was fully stocked. There was no issues with fruits and vegetables. Like none of that was running off the shelves, but all the frozen foods, the packaged foods, all the unhealthy crap was gone. Nobody, and it's like, I would go every single week and I'm like, I'm good. We're stocked up on all of our fruits and vegetables. We're eating just fine. But people are like, oh, grocery stores are empty. I'm like, it's not affecting me. So it's just crazy to me because that, that was so eye-opening because and people think, oh, we're, we're cooking at home. So, and that's what I heard from so many people. Oh, we're so much healthier and we're not eating at restaurants. We're cooking at home. And I'm like, yeah, well, what are you cooking? You're, you're just reheating something or something in a can or a package and all these. So yeah, there's just, yeah, that 
to me, that's what um, eating healthy is. And it's not mm. so much focusing on a diet. It's focusing on a lifestyle of whole, you know, just eating whole foods. That's it. It doesn't have to be complicated. And I used to make it very complicated. I love that you opened up that can of worms because the same, so in Australia, much the same, you know, all the health, like all the health food stock stuff was fully available. Like you could still go to the farmer's market and buy all the fruit and veggies that were still growing. But something that I did love for us is that one of our biggest um, like Home Depot kind of Walmart stores for home renovations they mm-hmm. sold out Australia-wide of all of their seedlings, fruit and vegetable seedlings, yeah. because everyone was Same buying here. up seedlings to grow their own. And I loved that, you know, getting back to nature. But it's just such a beautiful reminder that eating well versus actually eating well can be very different. You know, thinking yeah. eating well versus actually eating well. And I, I just encourage everyone that to read the nutritional panel as in just the ingredients. Don't look at the numbers, just look at the ingredient list. And if there's something on there that you don't know, you know, after working in food science manufacturing as a formulator, putting these ingredients together, you'll be so surprised. Um, even chip packets. And I've been to the States a number of times. It's the same in Australia. There's a lot of vegan, gluten-free, you know, healthy style chips and they have multidextrin in them. Mm-hmm. And multidextrin is one of the first things that throws out your gut. And after having leaky gut, you know, even if I just had two chips out of the whole bag, I'd instantly feel bloated. Yeah. And most people don't even know what multidextrin is or where it comes from. And if you don't know that, your body's not going to know it either. So thank you so much for speaking to that. Donna. Yeah, really yeah. I'm going to add one other thing. It's funny because I, I tell people I experimented with my own baby. Um, so <laughs> my daughter and my nephew were born five months apart. And I breastfed my daughter for the whole first year. And when she ate solid foods, I made all her food and I used all organic products. My nephew, on the other hand, my sister breastfed him for six weeks and he switched to formula and she just didn't have the time, put in the time. And so she, he had jarred food that she purchased from the grocery stores. And even though she still purchased organic jars and whatever. And what I would always compare is their poop. And my daughter's poop was clean. It was clean. It didn't have a smell, barely. It never stuck to her butt. Like you would change her diaper with one baby wipe and be like, even the baby wipe's clean. Where his was very different. Yeah, very different. So at that moment, I'm like, see, you see the difference here? Like just based on their poop from their baby, because that's the first thing that's ever been in their body. I mean, they've never had anything else. And so just from that, it was just so eye-opening. Mm, what a great experiment. Um, <laughs> little disclaimer, don't use your children as experiments, but a really good experiment. <laughs> I have to interrupt this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by the Well Women Academy. The Well Women Academy is my signature group coaching program. It's a weekly membership together where we study menstrual cycles, holistic health, and how to reconnect with your body. Every month, our Well Women access members-only self-paced educational content across a wide range of formats, including written, audio, video, and guided home study. Join me and women from all over the world as together we cover fields of ancestral health, Ayurveda, sexuality, sensuality, holistic health, and everything to do with your yoni. This is your chance to join an international community of supportive women to discover your cycle, your body, ignite your inner intuition, and illuminate your life. 
It's a cyclical sisterhood like no other, not to mention it's also cheaper than your daily coffee fix. To learn more and to join us, head to wellsome.com forward slash academy. That's wellsome, W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E.com forward slash academy. Speaking about food and nutrients, you mentioned a little bit about cholesterol's, cholesterol's role in hormone production. And I think that's going to be a really important point to understand because that was one of the, the signs for you. What is yeah. cholesterol's role in hormone production? Because we understand that there's lots of different facets that come into hormone production, like liver health and gut health. But like, speak to the cholesterol, like what comes in with that? Yeah. And so if you think about that, and so we think about when you have high cholesterol, um, the first thing that a, you know, the doctor says is, okay, we need to lower your cholesterol. We need to get you on a statin and lower it as low as we can. And the question then started to become is, well, how low is too low? Because I think we, you know, we do need some cholesterol. And I think that that's where it became eye-opening to people that, wait a minute, you know, I don't think we we want to lower cholesterol as much as we do because it is important. And when we think about um, cholesterol, there's a, there's a process that goes on in the body. And so cholesterol is formed and it, I mean, I don't know how scientific we want to go, um, but you know, down the line, you have steroid hormones that are formed from cholesterol that then lead to the production of your sex hormones like estrogen and progesterone. So if your cholesterol is too low, then you're not gonna have that downstream effect and it's obviously gonna impact that hormone function and development. And when we think about estrogen and how it ties in, you know, it also ties into the immune system and impacts our, you know, some of our immune cells. I'm trying not to get too complex. Um, it impacts our, some of our immune cells. And so then those immune cells then tie back into our thyroid function. And so when you think about this whole big circle, we start with cholesterol, we think about our sex hormones and then our immune cells that hit our thyroid. Like you said, it's all just kind of one big spider web. Um, and so trying to maintain them all and a beautiful balance is kind of the key to that overall health. And then the question on everyone's mind is how do you maintain the balance of them all? <laughs> um, I think it comes back to having balance in, in your life, on your lifestyle. What would you say um, that creates balance? Because I feel like if you're creating balance, in that focus, that's going to help focus and balance out your hormones and your hormone production. Because you mentioned earlier also about excess estrogen. Um, so how do you create that balance? Like what are three main things you could do to create the balance? Um, heal your gut. I'm going to keep mm -hmm. saying that. Mm -hmm. um, exercise or meditate and both, I guess. So some type of stress relief stress that's another one that impacts hormones um and sleep those are the three things i would say um because all three of those have an impact on your hormones in some way or another and maintaining three of those can create that balance in and of itself they seem so simple yet so simple not to do with all of them, they impact each other too. Like I was just typing the notes out, you know, like the, the three different things, heal your gut, meditate, reduce the stress and sleep. 
is that if something triggers you in your life, let's say you have an argument with your partner, your romantic partner, all of a sudden you're like, ah, excuse the language, but ah, fuck it, I'm just going to eat this. And then you eat something that doesn't serve your gut. And then that gut stress throws out your sleep stress. And then because you're not sleeping well, you've been up too late because you're overthinking things because you've just had a really bad argument and you don't like the outcome of the argument at present, you then feel stressed the next day. And this is like a repetitive pattern. And that's just one small example from one conversation that could have been an argument, let alone the rest of your day. Yeah. So when it comes to managing Hashimoto's and managing chronic stress, like these are the things that we can focus on to create balance but how do you manage on a daily basis like so what are the core things for you living with you know a diagnosis of Hashimoto's that you're like these are non-negotiables for me yeah well the the first thing is creating a routine for yourself um and that's one thing especially when I have a child and you realize that a baby thrives on a schedule and a routine And those babies that are constantly screaming are the ones that don't have a schedule because their body doesn't know what to expect. They don't know, you know, what's coming next. And so it creates stress and there's, there's stress, there's stress babies. And we're no different as we continue to age as human beings, we thrive on routine, we thrive on structure. Our body knows what to expect. There's no surprises. And if there is a surprise, we know how to handle it better because we're in this kind of balanced state. And so my routine starts every day I wake up and I just have my own quiet time. So people say like, how do you, how do you find time for yourself with your two kids? Well, I wake up before them. I know what time they're waking up. So I make it a point to wake up two hours before they wake up so that I can have that peace and quiet in the morning. I can drink a cup of coffee or tea. I can just, you know, read or, you know, watch something on TV or browse on my phone, whatever it is, but I'm just quiet and relaxed and there's no screaming around me. Um, And then I do that for an hour, a good hour. And I have been doing this for almost 20 years now, just having that wake up early and have that structure. And then after that, I go down into my basement and I exercise. And that's how I start my day. And by the time I'm done, then they're up. And by the time they're up, I'm okay with them screaming, running around. I'm fine because I've had my time and my body's had that. And my body is like, okay, we know what's coming next. So we're going to, you have the energy now to deal with it um, because we've taken the time for ourselves. So, I, I mean, that's just one I one example of my morning routine, which I think is one of the most important. And I have like ideas of how I want to alter it and change it, especially as it warms up. I'm like, we just completed a patio out back and I'm like, I'm going to start, I'm going to start doing yoga out back in the sun every morning. Once it warms up, you know, I'm going to add that to my morning, you know, things like that. But I cherish my morning routine and those days that I don't have it, I just feel off all day. And I just feel rushed and anxious and I didn't get that, that just that time. How you start your day really sets you up for the day. It does. Absolutely. It does. And so, and it sounds so simple, but it's, it's so important. And then of course, and how you go to bed at night, right? So we talk about sleep, you know, people say, how do you get eight to nine hours? I'm like, if I don't get eight to nine hours, I won't know how to function and neither will my body. That is what I need, but I don't stay up watching 
TV. Like when my kids go to bed, I go to bed. You guys are going to bed, I'll go to bed too. And so that I can wake up early. So a lot of my friends say, well, my kids go to bed, I stay up because that's how I get my quiet time. It's my downtime. And I'm like, well, no, if you go to bed with them and you wake up earlier, then that's a better approach to your downtime because what's going to happen is right now you're staying up late and then they're waking you up early and then you're just a mess and you're constantly looking for that those hours in the night right so that's a good point yeah I try to get to bed early and I wake up early and those are key and those seem so simple and if you just make those changes trust me you will you will feel the difference and then of course the diet I mentioned a couple um, but really focusing on just an anti-inflammatory diet um, the three that I avoid personally with Hashimoto's and I found have made a huge difference are dairy, gluten, and soy, um, for me and for many that I have, um, talked to as well. And so, I mean, those are, I mean, there's, there's a lot of inflammation. I mean, I have personally an egg allergy as well, like a, a real egg allergy. <laughs> I get hives and so unfortunately I can't have egg, but so that's another one I avoid, but that's for that reason. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I think you have to go through an anti-inflammatory protocol and elimination and identify what are those foods that are creating inflammation for you in the body um, and eliminate them. And when you eliminate them and see how good you feel, you don't want them anymore. It's not even tempting. And that's the beauty of that. I cannot agree more with that last comment because having been gluten-free for two decades and then living with leaky gut and then healing that myself through the process of food, you know, I went through a really crazy healing journey for a year where I only ate fruits and vegetables, like no grains, no nuts, no seeds, no dried fruit. I only drank water or I created tea that came from the fruits and vegetables. Like that was it. And it's so funny that if today you tell someone, look, I think you should try cutting out gluten for two weeks, man, their life is over. (laughs) Like it's the end of the world. And I know that's a bit of an exaggeration, but ultimately what you put in is what you get out and you wouldn't take your, um, you guys call it the the gas station in North America, like we call it the petrol station here. Mm -hmm. So I have a diesel car and I would never take my diesel car and put petrol in just because I couldn't afford the diesel or just because, you know, my car wanted to splurge and have something naughty, it would fuck the car up. Like it would cost me $10,000 to get a new motor put in my car. So we can treat our bodies in that way, but we treat material items, you know, in a different way. And we look at it in a higher like value status. Yes. I just like to say that when you remove something, you know, you're opening yourself up for opportunity. And if you see it with guilt, like you're removing something out of guilt or you're missing out on something and there's resentment and all those other kind of emotions, you're doing it from a place that's not a positive place for healing. And so look at the mind aspect and the connection with that. But if you're eating and consuming inflammation foods, that's only going to contribute to inflammation. So I love that you pointed that out. It's really, really, really great. Um, so I, I have another question around food, you know, what does a day in the life of food look like for you? Now I know cyclical living changes throughout our monthly cycle, but then it can also change throughout our yearly seasons, but in general, what does a daily food diet or regime look like for you, Donna, with Hashimoto's? Yeah. So typically I start my morning with a, I call it my anti-inflammatory smoothie, um, and really you could put anything in a smoothie. I found like 
you just throw everything in there and it still tastes good because they just balance each other out. But uh, typically has some type of non-dairy milk, um, fruits, banana, strawberries, blueberries, you know, peach, whatever, whatever I find that I have in the freezer because I freeze them and then just dump them in there instead of adding ice. Um, I'll add different seeds. So I rotate it, chia seeds, flax seed, pumpkin seed. Um, and I put turmeric root, which is why I call my anti-inflammatory smoothie. So just, I take about an inch. I just say like, okay, just cut it an inch or, you know, a couple centimeters, cut that, drop it in. I put four peppercorns in there and I'll put a spoon of full fat coconut milk. And this is something I totally just concocted um, after reading things. I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this. It should work. It should boost absorption. That's why I add the peppercorns. And if you add enough different, like, if you add different fruits, it really masks the taste. Because people are like, oh, isn't the turmeric too strong? But it's really not. It still comes out sweet and good. You know, you can add kale or spinach, whatever. But the whole point of it is the turmeric root. And you can kind of experiment with what else goes in it. But I'll tell you. I continue to do that because after I did that for six weeks, I was able to like drop my Hashimoto's antibodies so much. It was crazy. They were over 2,500 and they dropped to like in the 700s. And my doctor was shocked. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. It's the smoothie I created. She's like, well, keep doing it. Just keep drinking that smoothie. So I attribute it to the, to the turmeric root. And I think by adding some of those ingredients, I clearly am boosting the absorption of it. So I was happy about that. Um, so that's my typical breakfast. Sometimes I'll get bored with it and I have a kind of like a, um, I'll do like gluten-free oats with berries um, and, and honey or something. And, you know, so I'll change it up if I get bored with it. Um, but then, you know, lunch is typically leftovers of dinner, um, which makes it easy. So people are like, I don't know what to have for lunch. And I'm like, well, just eat leftovers. Like, I do that too. Don't just make enough for the night, like make enough to last. Um, and so that's super easy. And if I don't have that, I'll have like lentil soup, you know, sometimes I'll make a batch of that and then eat that for a week for lunch, and, you know, like change up different soups. You know, it's always important to plan and prep, especially on Sundays. That's how I look at it. And then dinners are, you know, we rotate them. And if you follow my page, I post all the time, like our dinners, but you know, I'll do like salmon, um, chicken and I grill. So I just kind of like grill our meats and they're typically like fish or chicken and I'll do sides of quinoa with mushroom. We always have salad, um, different vegetables. I'll just roast them in the oven. So our goal is to try to get nine servings of fruits and vegetables a day. And so yes. we hit that with our, with the way we eat and I try to keep it simple. And honestly, most of the recipes that I do, I mean, I don't have time to make anything that takes longer than 30 minutes. I just don't, I have two kids. They're all, especially this year, they're home. We're all home, <laughs> kind of all driving each other crazy. So I have 30 minutes and that's it. And so I've kept it simple and it's totally doable because I get it, I'm busy just like everybody else is busy, um, but, you, but it's doable. And I think the key to it is planning. And so on Sunday, I kind of plan out a menu for the week, okay, I'll make, Salmon on Monday, chicken on Tuesday. I'll do old Mediterranean, like gluten-free pasta on Wednesday. I'll do that. And it's just all laid out and I buy what I'm going to make and it just, it just happens. And so um, that's been the key to success because I've had people say like, well, I don't have time. Well, you would if you planned it because if you planned it, then it's like, okay, I know how to make this. It's simple. 
and prioritizing it too. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. I, I sometimes I complain and my, my husband's not a good cook. So he's like, I wish I could help, but I'm just not good in the kitchen. I'm like, he said, I complain, but at the end of the day, I'm going to do it because I want to eat good food. And I mean, just right now I'm tired, right? It's just, there's so much on everyone's plate, um, you know, kind of in this environment that we're living in. And so it, it gets hard, but I've never let it go because again, I say this all the time, if you know how it makes you feel, you're going to want to do it and you will prioritize it because you feel the difference. When you feel that difference in your body and you're in tune with your body, you want to keep it well, you know, you don't want to upset it. You want to keep it well and happy and because then you are going to be happy. That's what you're going to express on the outside. It's like going on a holiday, not wanting to come home. You just want to stay on the holiday because you love the holiday so much. It's the yeah. same thing with food. You just love how your body feels. So you keep yeah. doing what serves your body. And once you, there's like that Pringles ad that, you know, once you pop, you can't. Oh, you can't stop. <laughs> once you get connected with how it, good it can feel and how good your body actually can feel, you're like, you don't miss anything anymore mm-hmm. like I've been dairy free for eight years and gluten free for two decades and I've been meat free for a number of years now that you know I don't miss it because I know that if I was to have some of that it actually doesn't make me feel good and I know that because I've I've attempted <laughs> to eat those different things at different mm-hmm. times to see okay you know my body's always adjusting and evolving and my cell pro- like renewal process is changing all the time well maybe my body's better equipped now to digest gluten uh-uh. nope yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> so your body's really really important and i love prioritizing and planning is so important so thank you for speaking to that um let's switch gears a little bit before we because we're almost out of time but i'd love to ask you the question about how does hashimoto's connect with your menstrual cycle because you're on day one today um can it throw your cycle off whack? Is it a contributor to cycle signs, like things like PMS? Um, but how are those two things connected? Yeah, I, I always, I, I link it all back to my friend, Estrogen. Um, and, I, <laughs> and I have a blog post, I think it's up on my blog right now. I don't know if I took it down, but I, I call it Estrogen. I love you and I hate you all at the same time um, because of its impact on autoimmunity. Um, and so, and, and how can I explain, um, really when we think about estrogen and autoimmunity, we think about its impact on our T cells. Um, and when estrogen is high and when we think about our T cells, we think of them in a balance. So we think about TH1 and TH2, right? So these are guys, our friends, and they're supposed to be in balance with each other. Um, And so when one of them is off and off balance, it's going to create a whole surge of symptoms. And estrogen itself increases that TH1 response. And so when you have excess estrogen, and estrogen can be toxic um, when we think about it, um, and we're kind of when we're in an estrogen dominant state, it increases that TH1 um, response which then also impacts autoimmune disease. So we don't want that revved up when we have an autoimmune disease. And so when we have that excess estrogen and we rev up that TH1 response, we also rev up our immune system. And so we just talked about not wanting to have that auto attack, not having it revved up. We want it to stay in balance. And so 
for myself, I knew like over the past few months, I have personally been struggling with my menstrual cycles being very much prolonged, trying to figure out why, having all kinds of symptoms, moodiness, um, like I mentioned earlier, breast tenderness, which I've never had, that's a sign of excess estrogen. Um, and we know that estrogen needs to be detoxified and metabolized in our body. And where does that occur? That occurs in the liver, in the gut, right? And so um, it occurs by, you know, what are the foods that we're eating that can break it down and eliminate it? Um, because estrogen is very tricky when it's too high, it's not good. If it's too low, it's not good. So you want also to keep that in balance. And so they kind of work hand in hand together when we think about that. And when we have these prolonged cycles, especially with Hashimoto's, that's a, that's a sign right there that something's off um, with your Hashimoto's because you shouldn't have that prolonged cycle, especially if it's been consistent for as long as it has. So like for me personally, it's always been my cycle every 30 days perfectly, never have PMS um, symptoms before my period, maybe a little bit of bloating, but that's about it. I don't really, never really get much, especially like headaches and fatigue mm. that have been occurring recently that I never got. And so I was like, okay, my hormones are off and I know it, you know, and I'm tracking like, okay, why did my cycle come 46 days this time? You know, all right. I want to, so at that point, that's what triggers me. I want to check my, go to my doctor. I want to check my levels. I want to see where things are at and sure enough, they're off. And I know that they are because I know that there's something wrong there. Um, but over the past few months, I've focused wholeheartedly on healing my gut again. And people are like, well, why would your gut get off balance? I thought you always eat healthy and you do this, but it's stress. And this year, and I think a lot of people can relate, has been a very stressful year. And that's the only thing that I can pinpoint has been a contributor to kind of throwing things off balance. Um, with my hormones and my cycle and my thyroid and all of it being connected. And so I kind of took a step back, recognizing that it's stress, you know, started it just kind of doing more calming exercise, more meditation than normal, um, especially to sleep, um, trying to do that to clear the mind, to get myself to sleep. Because noticing when you're waking up at 3 a.m. every day, that's also another sign that, you know, Cortisol is off balance. And again, the, the connections are crazy because the cortisol is also connected, you know, to your sex hormones, to your thyroid hormones, all of that. So all of that is connected. So when I'm waking up at 3 a.m., I'm like, oh, my cortisol's off. And like most people don't think like, oh, my cortisol's off when they wake up at 3 a.m. But to me, I'm like, oh my God, everything is disconnected. And how am I going to reconnect it? I'm going to reconnect it by first starting with my gut. And that is what I did. And I focused on creating an kind of an anti-inflammatory gut healing protocol, introducing nutrients and supplements at different points in the protocol. And um, I'm like happy to, so like the, the next month after doing the protocol, my, my cycle came at 35 days. So I started shortening that window. And so this time it came at 30 days. And so what that's showing me is that I'm breaking down that excess estrogen. I'm eliminating it from the body. I'm creating that balance because what happened right now was created that gap. And I might not have low progesterone, um, but it may just be that there's this estrogen dominance. And that's what I'm experiencing right now. And I think I'm lowering that to kind of bring things back into balance um, so that my cycles are more balanced. My thyroid's getting better. Um, you know, I've, I, I put on five pounds and I'm just like, oh, 
how did this happen? Like, and it's just, it becomes frustrating, but you know, I'm slowly seeing all those things starting to normalize and it all goes back to the gut. And that's where I, I, I tried to do this and tried to do that. And I was like, you know what, I'm done. I'm just gonna focus on my gut and try to get this all balanced out. And, and that's, that's really what did it, that's what worked. And it sounds crazy and people are like, what, you, you balance your, your periods with your gut? Yeah, <laughs> sorry, mm-hmm. it's true. The gut has such a strong connection with so many aspects of our health, but particular endocrine system and that reproductiveness of our ovaries and our hormone production. And therefore it's connected with the thyroid. Um, I, I think I was trying to sum up as you were talking about like everything we've kind of spoken about. And I just loved Donna, how you, you mentioned that your own journey, but also from a like, an experienced journey because you're in this particular path for your career. So you're not just a doctor just talking about this. You're actually a doctor who's living this. And I think that's a really great sign that, hey, even though you're a doctor, you're actually managing this yourself and explaining how it's manageable. Yeah. And so I broke it down um, in, and tell me if I'm wrong as we sum it all up, but start with your gut, manage your stress or your stress response and listen to your body. 100 percent and and sleep yeah and sleep right and i i i was gonna say i like to think if you do those first three first three things your sleep will be good yeah it'll all come together you're right yeah and it kind of all comes together and i i i want to speak to what you mentioned about the menstrual cycles because it just comes back to how important it is to know your body and to know your own cycle. Because you were saying that you noticed that there were some differences and some changes and you're like, oh, I was getting this headache and then this happened. And then, you know, my cycle length was expanding. That's a sign that there's something going on. And just a refresher for everyone listening, your period, your menstrual time, your menstrual blood is your monthly health check. And if there's something not going on right, get that checked. So Donna, I've just loved this conversation. Have you share everything about Hashimoto's in such a beautiful, humbling way? Everyone's like, I want to see Donna. How can they find you? <laughs> uh, yeah, so you can find me on, like I said, I'm on both Instagram and Facebook, whatever platform you choose, um, at Dr. Auto, Auto, Dr. Autoimmune Girl. Um, and I post regularly and it's just, it's facts. I don't post my opinion, hardly. I'll post my personal experience, but I won't post opinion. It's just factual, reputable, um, you know, information related to autoimmune disease, functional medicine, gut health, immunity in general. Um, And also you can subscribe to my newsletter on my website, drautoimmunegirl.com for just kind of some exciting announcements to come in the new year of 2021. Amazing. Well, we are recording this at the end of 2020. And Donna, I just want to say thank you so much for being my last podcast interview for the year. Um, I've loved this and it it just goes to show as we are closing off a very um, abundant year that's really thrown a lot of um, curveballs at us. Um, You know, managing your health is really important and listening to your body is really important. Now, I do have a final, all those links will be in the show notes, by the way. So everyone can find them in the show notes, wilson.com forward slash podcast. But final podcast question, I ask all of our guests this and I can't wait to hear your response. Tell us, what are three tips you would give to your younger menstruating self? So three things you wish you knew when you got your first period or started menstruating that you know now that you wish you knew then. Oh, you know, I think when I look back, 
Um, well, number one is to make sure you're having a regular menstrual period because I didn't. <laughs> and I look back and I was like, oh, cool. I'm just not getting a period for three, four months. This is great, but it's not cool at all. Um, so, you know, make sure it's regular. Um, you know, at the time you are menstruating, especially that week of, and people say like, oh, it's normal to have all these awful symptoms. No, it's not. And, you know, you can kind of, you can increase your whole foods and vegetables during that week. I mean, I know sometimes young, might you know, our young menstruating, you know, girls are kind of like, oh, I'm going to eat what I want. Maybe they're not on this whole health journey. But if you can during that one week, just try to like detox your body a little bit. It'll help with those symptoms. Um, what else would I say? I don't know. I probably say now to just use non-toxic uh, <laughs> pads and tampons, not like the ones that I've used for so many years before knowing what I was actually putting in my body. <laughs> I was in the same boat, sister. <laughs> and just on that, it feels we have a whole episode recorded about menstrual cups if you want to learn about that and also toxic ingredients in uh, menstrual products like tampons mm -hmm. and pads. But just the fact of using a, like a menstrual cup and not ever throwing out rubbish just feels so like rewarding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, they're great tips. I wish I knew all of those things myself. So thank you so much for sharing and joining us for this episode and sharing everything you have around Hashimoto's and understanding your body in just a better, more in-depth way, particularly around the link of gut health and Hashimoto's. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. This great. Thank you so much for tuning in to every episode of the Well Women podcast. I trust you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. If you got a lot out of it too, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast app. This means together we can inspire, connect, and educate even more women. Now, is there a bestie, a sister, or a friend who you know may be frustrated and confused with their health? Are they ready to discover new aspects of themselves too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode share it on your social media, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to their ears. So together we can all live in flow, harmony and balance with our bodies. And be sure to tag me in it too. Hashtag Well Women Podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.